We're in the last month of the year. We're in December. And it's pretty obvious that we're in December because there's just like decorations out. Obviously, we got like colored lights, wreaths, Christmas trees. There's snow on the mountains, Christmas trees in every house. There's sails down every aisle and everything like that. It's obvious that we're in December. But what do we celebrate in December? It's like the big, the big thing. It's on the 25th. Now, besides, besides Sarah's birthday, what, what do we celebrate? Aww. Yeah. Jesus' birthday. Yeah. We're celebrating Christmas. It's obvious that we're celebrating Christmas. So we're starting this series called True Story tonight. And um, we'll be going over the big idea of like what the Christmas story is and what Jesus' coming actually means, what it really means. And if we believe this true story, we just can't help but feel changed by it. The big idea of Christmas is that it's so much more. Was that me? <laughs> the big idea of Christmas is that it's so much more than most people make of it. Now, when I, think, when I was thinking about this message and the season we're in, I was wondering, like, well, why do we celebrate Christmas in, on a certain day? You know, I was thinking about how most people confine the idea of Christmas into one month on a certain day and we call it Jesus' birthday and all that stuff. And it just got me, it got me thinking about how most people don't grasp the big idea of the Christmas story. Most people just celebrate Jesus on that specific day and then call it. Like, hey, Jesus came this week, you know, it was on the 25th of December. It was pretty great. And that's it. Christmas is just so much more than that. So Christmas to the world is defined by receiving gifts. Um, not only that, but discounts in every store. Has anyone taken advantage of those little discounts? You know, Black Friday? Yeah, Cyber Monday was a good one too. Not only that, but it's defined by the fat man in the red suit. Big old, oh my gosh. No, not Kevin. Big old SC, Mr. Santa Claus. And, you know, my coworkers actually, they look forward to this time of year because people are just genuinely more nice. Isn't that strange? Doesn't that seem strange? You get more tips. That's what they're looking forward to. No, seriously. And like, I know that I found that I found that people are just like way nicer around this time of year. And like, they're buying gifts for each other. People are going out and buying, giving away as much as they can, you know. But as soon as January hits, it's like, that's it, you know. As soon as January hits, like, all right, I'm not going to be nice anymore. But it may have been genuine. I just think that people buy into the idea, no pun intended, people buying into the idea that Christmas is about decorating trees and buying gifts. But honestly, I'm not against that idea either. I love buying gifts for people. I know it sounds weird. I also love receiving gifts. So if you guys um, want to get me something for Christmas, I would not push it away. Um, give me a Star- hey, if you give me a Starbucks gift card, I will actually use that. It'll be lunch money for me. So I want to I tell you about a gift that I got for a friend um, recently. So I have this group of friends, and the four of us, if you want to pr- bring up that slide of the four of us, it should be like the first one. There's the four of us. So this is like my core group of friends that I grew up with. So this is me with the bowl cut on the far right. Yeah, that's my friend Mason. He's like right, right behind me right here. Kyle's off to the left, giving the thumbs up. And then in the back, that's Christian, who's also called, we, call, we also call him CeeLo, because uh, ironically, his last name is Lowe like low to the ground, which is funny, and it's ironic because he's always been the tallest, and like right now he's like six foot five. So I just think it's ironic. So we call him CeeLo, and um, we went to a K through eight, which is way different than what you guys go through, right? You guys have like three different schools all through elementary. Like you do like elementary, 
junior high, wait, I missed one, middle school. Is it the same as elementary? It, see, I don't even know. I went through a K through 8, one school, it was totally fine. We all grew up together, and um, it was, it's been really great. And so, and out of these three guys, um, the closest friend that I've had has been CeeLo. I've, I've met him in kindergarten, and we've been friends ever since. And so, like, collectively, we've been friends for, like, 14 years, which is a long time. And I really value that friendship. And so, yeah. And so, um, anyways, as junior hires in seventh grade, um, my dad took me and CeeLo to a shooting range. I think that slides a little further down if you want to click it. It's like a shooting range, a red shirt, and CeeLo shooting a gun. There it is. So um, he, my dad, being the cool dad he is, took me and CeeLo as junior hires to a shooting range here in Fresno. And if you've ever been to a shooting range, um, they have like little aisles where you kind of set up and you pull your target out and it's like electronic motor and it brings it out. And it was really cool. It was so, it was so freaking exciting. As I was a junior hire and I played Call of Duty and I like got to shoot a real handgun, a 22, 38, and also a 45. Crazy stuff. It, it was exhilarating, honestly. And so my dad um, is a pretty nostalgic person. So I feel like I get it from him. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll blame him for that. But I am super nostalgic. And even back then in seventh grade, I was pretty nostalgic as well. So I after we shot all the guns and the bullets, I uh, picked up some of the casings that usually they'd sweep underneath downrange. I picked them up and I kept them. And so if we fast forward like to this year, I actually still had these bullet casings from this time when we hung out. And so I had this cool idea of like, maybe I should, I could gift this to CeeLo somehow. And so I was talking to a friend about it, and they said, oh, you should do like a shadow box to display it somehow. Because I, I thought it was a cool memory that we shared, and I'm nostalgic, and so it just means like I care about that kind of stuff. And so what I did is, uh, if you want to go to the picture of the football, what a shadow box is, is like um, that right there, just like for displaying stuff. Uh, and um, that you can display like sports memorabilia, there's like military stuff you can display. But uh, my dad, being the cool dad that he is, he uh, works for a longtime friend down in San Diego at a glass company. So he's the IT guy, but hey, he's like best friends with this guy. And so he really hooked me up. So if you want to go to that next picture, he made a glass box that was mirrored. And so I put effort into polishing each casing and gluing it carefully into the box. And it was super cool. I was so excited that it came out so well. And all the effort that I put into it really... It, it mattered a lot to me because, man, I, I just, it makes my heart full to, to give gifts like that. And if you guys remember, like, me talking about the love languages the last time I talked, there's five of them. One of them is gift giving, gift receiving. That's one of mine, and that's how I show my love for people in, in that way. And so it was so cool that CeeLo got to unwrap this gift actually last Saturday when he came back from college. So from seventh grade, I kept these. And up until his 22nd birthday, I gave it to him. And I just thought it was a really special moment. But you see, the thing about this gift is that it's truly nothing special. I mean, if you look at that, it's just glass, it's metal, and it's glued together. That's all it is. But what makes this gift special is the friendship behind it. It's the relationship. The time and effort I sacrificed to put into it. I was intentional with this gift. Do you guys see where I'm going with that? This wouldn't have worked if I didn't have a great relationship with Sila. 
if I didn't know him for so long, if I didn't go with him to that place and share that memory with him, it wouldn't have worked the same way. If I gave this gift to one of you guys and you unwrapped it, you might have thought it was pretty cool, but it wouldn't have the same value as it does between me and my friend Christian. The value wouldn't be there. The true value of that gift wouldn't be there. What gives this box of metal and glass its value is the relationship behind it, the meaning behind it, the intentionality behind it. And you know, Jesus actually has a gift for you guys too, for everyone. He was intentional with this gift, and a part of this gift is genuine relationship with him, which I think is pretty cool. Relationship that he wants with you. You see, he sacrificed a whole bunch to have this relationship. He left heaven to be born as a child. That's the Christmas story, guys. And ultimately, he laid down his life to be with us forever. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you recognize what I'm saying? Because when I recognize the relationship and the intentionality behind the Christmas story, I cannot help but feel grateful. Do you feel this way? Do you feel grateful for this story? Do you see the relationship? Does the story weigh heavy on your heart in a good way where you're just overwhelmed with thankfulness? Do you see the story that way? Do you understand the power behind this, the value behind what Jesus chose to do? He chose to come down. I'm emphasizing that word so you guys can understand that he chose to come down. Did he need to? Yes. Did he want to? Absolutely. He chose to come down because there was separation between God and us. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. There's an entirely different joy when you're celebrating Christmas as a believer rather than not. It becomes personal. You see the impact and you feel the impact. So we're going to be going over a few points that hopefully better explain uh, the reason for the season. And it's my hope that most of you will understand that Jesus came because he wanted to. So that's the main, main point right there. First, first villain is Jesus came because he wanted to. And I'm sure most of you know the Christmas story. I'm sure you've heard it more than once and you've attended church for a long time. So you probably heard it way more than once. But we dedicate a whole month just to talk about the Christmas story, don't we? We, we set up messages up until the 25th, which is Jesus's time. And that's, that's what this season is about. But have you ever, like, really considered, have you ever asked yourselves, like, why did Jesus come? Why did he come as a baby into the world? Why did the king leave his throne and come down from heaven to be with us? Why did Jesus need to live fully human yet fully God at the same time? Why did Jesus come to us? What were his intentions? And your first point is, Jesus wants relationship. He wants relationship with you. Jesus wants relationship. So we're going to back up a little bit, okay? For thousands of years, there's this great divide, right? Back in the Garden of Eden. You guys heard that story, Adam and Eve? Y'all know what they did. They ate from the forbidden tree. They ate the fruit. Their eyes were open to what was good and evil, and sin and shame entered the world. Now, this wasn't God's plan at all. Of course not. God had intentions. God had a plan. God wanted to make a perfect world, so he did. God wanted to make creatures to roam this world, 
so he did. God wanted to make man in his own image, so he did. And I want you to understand that we have a God with intentions. Each one of those things has a purpose. God has good intentions. Did he want this divide between us and him? Absolutely not. He cares about relationship, and I'm going to tell you about that. God saw the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the birds, everything, the fish, all of it. Each one of these things was designed with a purpose, and he cared about that purpose. He didn't stop there. God created man in his own image, and man tended to the ground. Man watched the animals, ruled over this dominion he was given. However, man didn't have a suitable helper. Man didn't have someone to relate to, someone to share life and memories with, and God saw that, and God cared enough to make woman. God saw that. In Genesis, it says God said it is not good for man to be alone. So back in the Garden of Eden, we all know what happens. The serpent deceived them. The forbidden fruit was eaten. Sin entered the world. And God's intention wasn't for us to be victims to slave, or victims to sin, a slave to sin. That wasn't his intentions at all. He intended us to be able to live with him forever. But God being so perfect, God being so holy, full of love, void of wrong, completely void of wrong, God is perfect. He could not live with sin. And what they had done had crossed a boundary. And so they were taken and closed off from the Garden of Eden that God had intended them to live in. But God recognized the gap between himself and the creation. Did he want this? No. But in that moment, he had a plan and he had intentions. In that moment when Adam and Eve chose sin, God made a promise to restore his people to restore his relationship. And through his powerful, uncontrollable love, he put in a plan to save us. In that very moment, he knew. For God loved the world so much, he did what? For God loved the world so much, he did what? For God loved the world so much, he did what? Thank you, thank you. God cared about relationships. So fast forward many, many years, Jesus comes down and is born as a child to restore that relationship between God and man. This is the Christmas story, guys. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with us, and he knew that sin was separating us from God. And this could only be covered by a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. And that was Jesus. Now, do you see how important this season is? Do you understand the value of this Christmas season. The value of this gift Jesus chose to give us. And you know what's crazy about this gift? It's not meant for just me. It's not meant for just you, or you, or you, Bradley. It's meant for everyone. He chose to freely give it to everyone, no exception. Because we're his creation, his beloved. It's not meant for just me or you. It's meant for everyone because he loves every single one of us. He took sin upon his shoulders so when God looks at us, he doesn't see sin anymore. He sees through the lens of the cross and what Jesus did. And Jesus bled for our sake. Are you getting the big picture? He meets us where we are. That's not in the 
outline, but I want you to write that down right now in big, bold letters. He meets us where we are. Jesus meets us where we are. You know, there's so many good things that come from having a relationship with Jesus. And I know personally there have been times where I've just felt so broken, broken and like so worthless that I've personally just wondered like, well, why God? Why would you send your son just for me? I'm not worthy of this. I'm not good enough for this. I didn't earn this. But none of that matters, you see. Because he doesn't care if you've done enough. You can't earn his favor. He doesn't care how broken you are. He's going to pick up the pieces. And he doesn't see me as a sinner full of earthly passions or heartache. He sees me as a friend, as a child of God. And he loves me unconditionally. And you know what that means, unconditionally? It means no matter what I do, past, present, or future, he will always love me. And he will always love you unconditionally. And one of the best things about Jesus is that he meets us where we are. Jesus chose to come to the world as a baby, to meet us literally flesh to flesh. Jesus chose to have relationship with us. And he doesn't stop and let us meet him halfway. He doesn't expect us to put in the work to earn his favor. He doesn't care if you, he doesn't need you to purify yourself, to come before him. Our God, Jesus our Lord, meets us where we are. He comes all the way to you, 100%, meets you here in a moment of, of worship, a moment of thoughtfulness, a moment of reflection and repentance. He's in the mundane moments of life. He's in the messy. He's in the stress and the worry. He comes to where I am. He comes to where you are. And he cares about what you're going through. He cares about those thoughts that you think about yourself that aren't true. He cares about all of that. So 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus met me where I am when I felt so broken. And he will never stop meeting me again and again, no matter how far I may feel from him. Because no matter how broken or put together I am, he will always be there. He will never leave me nor forsake me. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and forsake you. And there's another verse right there from Deuteronomy. We are not an afterthought, you guys. God didn't see what happened in the garden and think, hmm, maybe I should fix this a thousand years down the road, 2,000 years, 5,000 years. He, we're not an afterthought. There is a plan put in motion as soon as we cross the boundary. Because God cared. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. This was the plan from the beginning. This is his intention. Jesus wanted relationship with us so badly, he was willing to die for it. And he did. And with it, he took our shame and our sin. And if you believe it's a true story, you have to accept the fact that this is the reality we live in. It already happened, guys. It already happened. This time last year, I was in a completely different season of my life. 
The past few months have been probably the most painful that I can remember. I'm just going through loss, going through personal hardship, fighting loneliness. I've just felt broken beyond anything anyone could fix. I was crying out to Jesus in my quiet times. I felt upset. I felt angry. I was so worried about what was happening in the present. I was worried about the future. And these feelings were constantly pouring out of me. I could not control them. I was breaking down at a moment's notice anywhere. I could have been at work, out with friends. And this has just been my life. No relationship could fully console me. No friendship could fully console me or give me the comfort I needed because this comfort could only be satisfied by love from Jesus. And you want to know how I know that? It's because he met me where I am. No matter how broken I felt, how many tears I cried, Jesus was there. No matter how good I felt on the days where I was on my highest, Jesus was there. And he met me where I am. All I could do was cry out to Jesus. Why am I going through this pain? Why am I going through this hardship? What purpose does this serve in my life? Why? Have you guys been there? Why? Why, Jesus? Why is this happening to me? I was in despair. Have you guys been there? Been so broken, so misunderstood, so unloved, that you're just like, why? Now, I don't have the answer to why bad things happen. And I'm not even going to try to give you an answer because we just live in a broken world. And that's what we have to live in, this reality of a broken world. But Jesus cares. Take it or leave it. That could be enough. That could be something that just drives your mind at a thousand miles an hour with a million questions. But Jesus cares about where you are in your life, what you're thinking about, what you're doing, how you feel. That relationship is so important. Jesus cares about relationship. He met me in those moments where I felt like I could not go on. He met me in those moments and he picked me up and started walking with me. He will always meet me and he will never stop meeting me. He will never stop loving me and he'll never stop loving you guys. Now, do you trust that he'll do the same for you? Do you honestly trust that? Jesus wants relationship with you. And when I think of the Christmas story, I can't help but see Jesus' selflessness and what he did. Could you imagine leaving a, a place that was perfect to come down to a place that was so not perfect? I can't even put myself in Jesus' shoes. I cannot comprehend what was going through his mind. But all I know is that Jesus cares about relationship enough to come down and be with us and die for us. For God so loved the world he gave with intentionality what was so special to him, so special. 
Jesus for you and me. Now, I want to challenge you guys with something. I want to challenge you guys with something, really. I want you guys to sit and think about the Christmas story. I want you to read it. Now, not, like, give, give, you, give it five minutes, right? Just like reading the Christmas story. Read it in Matthew. Read it in Luke, right? Give it five minutes. But I don't want you to do it in your small group time. I don't want you to give it five minutes, like, something you just want to do really quickly. What I want you to do is specifically sit in silence. Really ponder on the notion that Jesus came for me. I want you guys to give five minutes. Make that time happen. You may be so busy, you don't know how you can sit in a house that's full of family members in silence. Like, you may have so many things going on, but carve out that time, whether it's like walking outside down the street, just thinking about Jesus. Make that time. It could just be five minutes, two minutes. But wouldn't you say he deserves the time, right? Wouldn't you say that he deserves five minutes of your time for the eternity he gave you? And ask yourselves this. Even though you may have heard the Christmas story 50 times, 60, 70, you've been in church for all your life. Does that mean that spending time with Jesus is irrelevant? Ask yourselves this in the, in the moment. What does it mean to me personally, the Christmas story? What does it mean to people around me? What does it mean for the world? What does it mean if I believe it's a true story? We recognize the reality of who he is when we recognize the reality of who I'm sorry. We recognize the reality of who we are when we recognize the reality of who he is. And your second feeling, guys, is Jesus wants us to have freedom. Sin for so long had kept people from experiencing the presence of God, and this was not what God intended. God from the beginning made this promise through so much love. He promised that there would be a savior, someone to wipe the slate clean, someone who would come and take the burden of sin away, someone who was so innocent that sacrifice would be enough to cover a multitude of sins. So God sent his son, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. What do we do with this now? This is a gift from Jesus. The gift I was talking about earlier, that he gives each individual on this planet. It's a gift of relationship with him by acceptance of who he is in true belief in your heart. And if you're wondering, how do I accept this gift or what do I do with it now? In Romans it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it sounds so simple. For it is in your heart that you believed and you are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I cannot decide if you are saved or not. Neither can Colin, neither can AJ, or Pastor Steve, the senior pastor here. We cannot decide if you are saved. That's between you and God. As it says in the verse, for it is in your heart that you believe and you're justified. But he doesn't stop there. It's also with your mouth that you profess your faith. It's with your actions. It's how you live your life. It's your relationship with Christ that matters. 
And you know how we profess our faith a lot is um, through songs. We just sang three worship songs, some really good songs that have a lot of truth in it. But worship doesn't just mean praise through music. It means devotion. It's attributing worth to something. It's literally the word worth-ship. Worship means recognizing God's place in our place. Worship equals recognizing God's place in our place. That's one of your fill-ins, guys. When I see Jesus, I cannot help but look at myself and compare myself and see that, wow, I am so not good. But no matter what I've done or what I will do, he will choose to love me over and over again. And there are so many stories throughout the Bible. One example is Moses. When he approaches the burning bush, he is overwhelmed and he covers his face because God speaks to him. And Moses realizes the goodness of God and he exclaims, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. He understood the goodness of God. Moses saw himself before God and knew he wasn't good. Yet, because we're not good enough, God still loves us. Christ still came and died for us. God loved Moses so much and he still used him to do great things. Are you recognizing where Jesus' place is in your life? You may feel like you haven't earned that gift that Jesus died for you. That's okay. No one has. Really. No power in heaven or hell can separate me from his love. It's a good song. No sin can separate me from Jesus. And the special thing about the Christmas story is the intentionality of Jesus coming to meet us where we are. He wanted relationship with us and for us to have relationship with our Heavenly Father. However, having a relationship with Jesus does not mean that life gets any easier. I would say life can seem more challenging when you have a relationship with Jesus. And the fact is, it isn't the relationship that makes life challenging. It's us having a relationship with Christ in a world that does not want that to happen. We live in a broken world that says it doesn't matter. Relationship with Christ doesn't matter, but it does. It does so much. Jesus cares about relationship and our relationship with him. He intended for us to have relationship with him. Now, when we accept this gift, it doesn't mean we stop sinning. It doesn't mean the hard things are easy. But freedom from sin is freedom in him. Freedom from sin is freedom in him. And Jesus came to the world to bridge the gap between us and sin by dying on the cross. He came to have relationship with us. He was our holy sacrifice to cover all of our sins. Now, if you believe that with all your heart, that what Jesus did is a true story, that's awesome. If you've accepted the gift, that's awesome. But it doesn't mean that you immediately have relationship with Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're instantly just good. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with anyone takes time, does it not? It takes work and sometimes pain. But in that pain, there's growth. Me and Christian, we've been friends for 14 years. He is a big pain in the butt. But I love the guy. Relationship 
that, that took guts. And sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, but all the time, relationship is rewarding. Relationship is rewarding. Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin, but not the confession of sin itself, guys. When we own our sin, when we admit our faults, that's how we continue to have a relationship with Jesus. We, we have a one-time acceptance of Him as our Savior. We believe it in our hearts. We profess it with our mouths. But our relationship, our fellowship, is continually renewed as we bring our sins to the foot of the cross. Because how can we accept a Savior if we don't believe we need one? The Chris, this is the Christmas story. Like, this is the reason for the season. This is why Christ came, to restore what was broken, to mend what was torn, to bring to life what was dead. And through our sins, we were dead, but we were made alive in Christ. You may not be looking for a Savior, guys, but He's looking for you. He's looking for you. And He's got a relationship waiting. A relationship that He intended to have with you, that He desperately wants with you. Desperately. And you may turn away from Him again and again. But you know what? Jesus is so good. He's going to be right there every time you look back. He's going to be right there, right behind you. Waiting for you. Jesus cares about relationship. Let's pray, guys, okay? And then we'll head off to small groups. God, God, first of all, I just want to thank you I want to thank you for what you've done. The reality we live in is something truly special, and I pray that we can really grasp that reality. We can really hold on to the truth that you came as a child, and you died for us. God, the Christmas story is so special, and I pray that we can hold on to how special it is, and we can really understand how special it is, and we can see with new eyes how special it is, because truly, I cannot emphasize enough how special you are, and how good you are. So God, I just pray that our small group time is productive. I pray that we can really think about the words that have been said. And in your mighty name, God, amen.